This is episode 48 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is a corporate evangelist and the creator of the Be Awesome movement, Joshua Peach. Let's get it started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here for another episode, um, a really cool one, um, as I get to talk to Joshua Peach, a guy that I got to know over the last year or so. Um, he is a corporate evangelist for Dude Solutions, uh, goes out and does a lot of speaking engagements um, on the company's behalf, um, and he also started this great movement called Be Awesome. And it's spelled B-E-A-U-S-M. So go ahead and check out his website. Um, he has the Be Awesome podcast um, where he interviews a lot of just people that are really the unsung heroes that are doing really good deeds um, around the around the globe, really, um, and has some great conversations with them. So go check out his podcast. Um, as a side note, one of the things, and he talks about this later in the episode, but I'll share it up front here. Um, you know, he gives away these great t-shirts. He's be awesome with the, uh, periodic table of elements, um, on there and, uh, donates, uh, $3 for every uh, shirt that's sold um, to a charity. Um, and one of the things he's doing for this podcast, if you go ahead and, and leave a rating, go ahead and put some feedback, um, on the just get started podcast through the end of the month of May, um, he's going to send you a free t-shirt. Um, so if you go ahead and do that and certainly appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and send them over your information. So just DM me on Instagram at Brian Andreco or email me brianandreco at gmail.com um, and I'll go ahead and uh, and send that along to him. So really appreciate the, uh, the feedback he shares on this episode, a lot of his insight um, through some of the different things that he's done, um, being a sales professional, transitioning this world of, of speaking, um, and then some of the great things he's doing with the Be Awesome uh, movement. Um, is really is really cool to see. So I think you guys will enjoy our wide-ranging conversation. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Joshua Peach. Let's get it started. Peach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, an interesting new thing where I'm in Colorado and you're in Carolina. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's one of those things I know we've been trying to set up for a while. I'm glad to uh, make it happen and, uh, and kind of get it rocking here. So um, Excited to have you share your story a little bit, some of the things that are going on in your life. Um, I know we've known each other for a little while. Um, actually, probably met, it's almost been a year, I think, maybe, um, since we first met. Um, and I wanted to start actually a little further back, if you can go, because one of the things I was always intrigued about when I first met you was, you know, what you're doing today. You certainly, you know, five, 10 years ago, if we were to ask you, hey, would you be doing this? you would have probably said, uh, no, not, not a chance. So I'm wondering if you can take us back a little bit and we'll kind of put the breadcrumbs of, you know, how things have evolved with your life and those type of things. Um, I don't know if we want to go backwards and slowly or start all the way from back there and go forward. I'll kind of let you take it as you'd like, uh, maybe with some of that story early days, and then we'll kind of, uh, talk about more present day stuff. Some of the things you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll take it. We'll take a step back in time in the Wayback Machine. And uh, you're absolutely right. I was just actually having a conversation with Dave Moran, who was on my podcast on Monday. 
and he had some interesting questions that I really hadn't thought of about myself. And a lot of it revolved around you know, how did you get here and and did you have a plan for it? And I, I didn't really. I, I, I probably uh, the plan kind of evolved into itself. But I was originally a sales, uh, a software sales person for the software company that we work with, Dude Solutions. I uh, was one of the first employees going back 15 years. And, you know, my feeling for a very long time was my ceiling, um, and not that it was a bad one, was always going to be just a salesperson. Uh, and I say just a salesperson because back then I, I, I didn't see the value and the importance in myself and the profession probably that I, that I have the appreciation for today. And, uh, you know, just... Went along for a while, and and uh, about five years ago, uh, this year, it's actually this year is going to be five years. Five years ago, I I got an opportunity to speak in front of a group and and not just talk about product, but talk about life and talk about. Uh, I got to talk about my grandfather and uh, the importance of saying thank you because I never really got to say thank you uh, before he passed away, and uh, people liked it. And one thing led to another, and there was about 150 people in the audience. And one of the people that was in that audience asked me to go speak at their association. And then it was just a trickle effect. And for the last five years, geez, I would have to guess I've done uh, somewhere between, you know, three and 400, you know, keynote thought, you know, the thought leadership, the sessions, the general sessions, you know, public speaking. And uh, the last year, since we, since you and I've met and since you were instrumental, I was just actually trying to pull up. Uh, when that was, I made a post, as you remember, I made a post about just just uh, just a little bit less than a year ago, uh, where I went and took a podcast lesson to learn how to actually do my own podcast station. And uh, you reached out and proactively told me about yours and what you did and how you did things and, you know, different options, which springboarded uh, my ability to to get my own, just get not my own, my own just getting started uh, with be awesome. And, uh, you know, here I am today. I'm a, a corporate, what's known as a corporate evangelist, uh, which is in, in translation for what, what I do is I speak enthusiastically about things that I'm passionate about. And not only am I passionate about the software solutions we provide, I'm passionate about the people that we serve with those solutions. So I talk about relatable stories beyond software. I talk about, you know, what they're doing and, and, learning lessons and, and some of the best practices and uh, just share stories about how awesome people are. And uh, that's where I'm, I'm in Colorado today. I was in California yesterday um, and I've got like a six state tour in the next two weeks for that. And uh, probably about two years ago, the, the awesome idea was, it was closer to three now. Um, I actually had a, a coworker that I used to say, you know, wake up and be awesome to uh, quite often. And he got me a notebook and it evolved into um, my be awesome uh, brand, which is B E A U S M uh, the three periodic elements, uh, beryllium, gold, and samarium. I wanted to get them right and say them right for you, but beryllium's <laughs> gold and samarium. Uh, and that's the title of my book that I'm working on. Uh, which uh, is be awesome. The essential elements to kicking ass and uh, the t-shirts we're selling and the podcasts that we're doing and the, and the purpose behind that, which is where the uh, Dave was coming from was, you know, what do you try to do with be awesome? And the reality is <laughs> I wear these shirts every day and, you know, walking through airports, you see a lot of miserable, upset, you know, sad, you know, just 
negative and you know negative feeling from people and uh wear the shirt and people you always every day uh that i wake up and i put one of these shirts on i know that i will have one positive interaction with someone that might not be having that great of a day that says oh, i love your shirt or that's a really great shirt uh quick quick one was i was in uh, pensacola florida it was the end of the night it was, uh, it was after midnight our flight was delayed and i was the last of six people in the rental car line and this poor guy listened to the five people in front of me, you know, complaining and making them, you know, making them kind of feel bad and, and trying to get upgrades and all this stuff. And I got up there and just looked at him and I just said, you know, you handled that amazingly. And he looked at my shirt and he's like, I love that shirt. And uh, he smiled immediately and I gave him a shirt just to give to him uh, maybe my one good deed of the day. And he literally was like, you just, made my entire day you don't know the day that i had and you know that's cool and that's one person uh that got a positive touch that you know might might look at things a little bit differently or maybe they're just you know positive and upbeat and you know they just need a a thank you for for being positive and upbeat so what's one of the things that we very often forget to do, which is say thank you and recognize people and celebrate and do things every day. So that's, you know, kind of what Be Awesome is and doing podcasts with with, with really cool people. Uh, did one with you actually uh, last August, which is which was a uh, highly, highly listened to and uh, a long time ago, good, man. Good, yeah, good, good podcast. We did, yeah, we did it well, in a we did it in a ballroom with uh, sound checks going on in the background. <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm gonna ask you this because I want to get in the podcast a little bit, but I, I want to take a step back if we can to you were talking about the first time you had to get up on stage and you were speaking because mm-hmm. I think you know that's that's one of those moments. I want to go back to another in just a second as well. Um, I remember yeah. you sharing with me, but to that moment specifically, do you remember back at that time? maybe the self-talk, what was going through your head? Because that's a that's a big change, right? Of, oh my God, I got to get up on stage and talk to someone and, and do this where maybe you're kind of caught off guard because that's obviously propelled you into what you're doing today. That would have never happened if you get, didn't get outside your comfort zone. I'm curious if you can share a little bit about that time, what you remember. Uh, were you nervous? Were you were you scared, you know, scared as hell? Were you fine? How did you feel? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's kind of funny. The, the, the presentation I was supposed to do was um, more company focused on our software. And what had happened was two days before that, uh, I've got a 146 pound South African borble. Uh, it's like a mastiff, uh, a dog. And, um, she had torn her ACL and I had to carry her around everywhere. And so two days prior to this talk, which I really wasn't comfortable with, I'm not a huge, you know, I'm not a huge PowerPoint guy. And, uh, this was a, a 70 slide deck. I was having a hard time to wrap my head around it. And, uh, I was carrying Rui down the stairs and to take her out and she freaked out and I fell down the last three stairs and in an effort to protect her and to protect my investment of that ACL surgery she just got, I fell back and, and uh, was, was uh, knocked unconscious. I have a pool table at the bottom of my steps and I smashed my head off the back of that and uh, I was lights out for a little bit and that, that caused me to, um, I was I was really foggy for a couple of days and the night of the, the the night before I was supposed to give this presentation I just said to my fiance Amy I was like I I don't know how I'm going to be able to remember this stuff and I'm going to do it it's going to be a huge disservice to uh, the audience and she said well, what are you going to do and I said you know I think I'm going to give a talk about 
you know, in order for you to, to be able to embrace change, you have to look around at people that were willing to make changes for you. And at the bottom of my stairs with that pool table, there's also a suitcase. And the suitcase is actually the, um, the one piece of luggage that my grandfather uh, brought over on May 13th, 1966, Friday the 13th, uh, with my grandmother, uh, who's 96 and lives next door. And this is my best friend. We share a birthday. And my mother and, and her brother, uh, they came to, to America to have opportunity and give opportunity to future generations. So I said, I'm, I'm going to go up, I'm going to bring my grandfather's suitcase. And I'm going to talk about, you know, why I'm more probably more open to thinking about change and, and why you should consider it to do better, be better, show better and to give better for other people. And uh, Amy was really supportive of it. And I, I, it was something that just came naturally, I, I did moderate preparation, I, I made about 10 bullet points that I wanted to cover. I, I, made sure that I, I, I wrapped it all around the audience that we had. And I, I just said thank you to my grandfather who wasn't in the audience, but I'm hoping he was watching over me. And uh, I felt really good. Uh, I was definitely nervous. I get nervous every time I speak. I get nervous every time I get on a microphone for a podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm a human being just like everybody else. Uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, the last week uh, I, I have found so many countless things in my life or my upbringing that anytime someone says, oh, you're a natural salesperson or you're a gifted speaker or I'm gifted because I had people around me that really groomed me and trained me and and gave me a lot of pointers and a lot of stuff I learned through osmosis. Um, But it's still even with all of that, uh, it's, it's still, you still get butterflies. You still want to make everybody happy, even though you say you just want to make a difference in one person's life. Uh, but it's exciting. And it's the, the, the feeling you get when someone comes up to you and says, wow, this made a difference in my day. This made a difference in my perspective. Uh, you know, I've had some people that have, that have had some really, um, really difficult times in their life that, you know, spending an hour with me, I don't, I don't really think that it's like as as awesome sometimes as some people make it out to me. And I'm like, I, was I in the same room as you? Because you know the, the the compliments and the kindness that that people share is is really pretty powerful. And you know, for me, I always kind of feel like if if listening to me for an hour is the worst part of your day, it's probably not all that bad. Uh, you know, it might be an hour you can't get back and you don't learn anything, but maybe you'll get a laugh, maybe you'll get a cry. Who knows? Maybe you'll make somebody. Maybe you'll make a friend in the audience that that goes on for you know years to come. But um, yeah, that the first time I, I I don't think I thought a whole lot. I was just I didn't. I think the the this is a no one's ever ever actually asked me this question, and uh, it, it's a great one. I, I think that it was that talk was probably the easiest one I ever gave because it was it, I had nothing to lose. It was the first time I had a large group uh, that I was going to do this to. I'd never done anything like it. The worst thing that could happen is they could boo me off stage and I'd just go back to business as usual. And like I said, I had no idea what that would evolve into. I'm glad it evolved into everything, but I, I didn't think I had. Now, I think now today I have more pressure and put more pressure on myself than I did back then all those years ago, uh, when I just said, Hey, you know, you got nothing to lose other than to try something new and make it from the heart and genuine and, and it's worked. So 
Um, so but how did you, well, no, and, and that's, and that's obviously, a, that's a great story. Um, and of kind of how you kind of shifted gears and, you know, didn't go with status quo. Hey, do the 70, you know, the 70 uh, slide deck type thing. Yeah. Um, how did your mindset change going forward? Obviously you had more confidence because, you know, as you, as you said, quote unquote, right. I, I was just kind of a sales rep and, yeah. and then I had this opportunity. How did you juggle, or, or I guess, how did it work out where you started to do more of these talks and I guess to get more confidence from the company that, hey, listen, I'm going to do more of these um, and I'm still going to do my full time job. How did that how did that shift happen? It, it something clicked and I don't know exactly where. And and Greg James, who I had on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, had shared some of his nuggets of knowledge, which were pretty much in line with the way that I shifted when I was, as I say, just a salesman. Anybody that's just a salesman is somebody that looks at their day with a dollar sign. So when you're just a salesman, you're going into work and you're saying, I'm going in here to make a commission, to make money, to, you know, to excel and get President's Club Awards or what have you. And doing the speaking and getting more exposure that way and seeing the the kind of larger scale impact that we were having as a company and as as humans, I really started to see myself evolve more into um, doing the best that I could every day, have, being, have absolute genuine authenticity to it, being a man of my word at, at, at all times, you know, not over-promising uh, and underperforming, but but really making sure that what people's needs and what I could provide were in line with that. And, and really never looking at my quota again. Like, I didn't allow... Um, my quota to dictate and determine my performance and my attitude day in and day out. And I think it was because of that shift to this. I think I've always been a pretty authentic, genuine person, but I think that this relatable stories and going out on a limb and kind of thinking outside the box, whether it was uh, due to some, some minor brain damage, temporary brain damage or not, it, it was a trigger. It was, it was something that I am so grateful for. And, and I've met or exceeded, you know, goals on both sides of the coin when I was focusing on the dollar amounts and the sales that needed to come in. And when I just focused on the people making a difference and making sure everything was in line, I like the latter of the two. It's a lot more fun. You get to know your clients a lot better. And you evolve kind of as a human being where you're so much more than uh, just a salesman. I use that frame to not to be insulting to anyone other than myself. My family is is entrepreneurial and salespeople forever. And for a long time, I was embarrassed to share that I was a salesman. And um, and and I was also embarrassed that I took five years to graduate high school and that I dropped out of community college and that countless people said I would just be uh, something that wasn't what I wanted. And um, so that shift in mindset is it's not perfect. You're, it doesn't mean roses and rainbows every day. It just means that you have a different outlook on the attempts that you're making and you realize that the sun's going to, as long as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, uh, which my son, I think my son corrected me on how the sun works and how the, the earth goes around and, and it uh, saying isn't completely accurate. But as long as I see the east uh, with the sun and it goes down in the west at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> we have another opportunity to be, to be awesome. And, uh, that's pretty much the way that I've, I've kind of 
kind of shifted in, in thought process. Uh, I've also, <laughs> I've also kind of have a, a, a no jerk policy um, because of be awesome. And, and because of a lot of this stuff where, you know, I don't, I think before I was, I was striving for sales excellence and, and that was my focus. And, and I didn't really look around at the people that I was associating with learning from and, 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 and learning and emulate and wanting to emulate. And I'll tell you, I have some of the greatest people in my life today. I mean, guys like you, uh, inspire me, uh, you know, I'm a dinosaur, you know, in this industry, I'm, I'm 22 years in, um, and I'm 15 years into dude, uh, this Monday, this past Monday was my 15 year uh, anniversary when I sat down with Kent and, uh, you know, for me to be 43 and still have a ton of energy and excitement, you know, having great people around me that inspire, inspire me to, to be better and to do better every day is, is something that, that you should have. And not just, you know, so there's a difference between someone giving constructive criticism and destructive criticism. And that's what you need to find for, for you to have that, that shift in mind mindset. And that was something that, that took me a while to figure out. You mentioned a couple of names there, um, and, and one obviously Kent Hudson, uh, one of the co-founders of Dude Solutions. What, what have you learned from him over the years? You've known him for a long time. Yeah, uh, Kent is uh, Kent is someone who you just he's just the most one of the most amazing humans, and he carries a huge pack for a lot of people, and you would never know uh, struggles and challenges. I mean, he, he carried a, he, 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 he carried our company as a bootstrapped organization, which means basically we had one investor. It was Kent, uh, for the better part of, of 14 years. And I can't imagine the stress and challenge in doing that and the way that he did it. And the reason why he did it to protect, you know, our culture, to, to allow our company to, to continue to grow the way that it did without having, you know, any questionable outside interference and everything that he did was truly for the benefit of uh, our clients. It was the benefit of our employees. Uh, it was the benefit of our communities that we live and work in as all of us don't live in, in North Carolina. And then it was, you know, lastly to the benefit of him, like he, he really is a selfless human that I've learned so much from, and he gave me an opportunity that that uh, I have just just tried to do as I've always tried to do as good by him as possible, and I've always thought about you know kind of what what would Kent do, and you know sidebar um, was was when I sat down with Kent, I got hired with uh, with Kent back in ninety ninety six ninety seven with a, a previous company he founded. And uh, went away for a while and came back in, in 04. And, you know, in our talk, I, I was kind of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I just want to work for myself. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't sure I wanted another boss. I was a 29 year old kind of cocky uh, young man thought I could handle, you know, I, I think thought that just brute force and hard work was going to make me successful. And uh, there's so much more to it. And, you know, Ken said, give me 30 days uh and we'll give you 30 years and you know that basically meant you know let's see if let's see if there's a fit and we dance well together in the next 30 days and if there is great let's keep working and hopefully this is a career for you and if not then you know we walk our separate ways and and uh you know s still be nice to each other but just 
you know, didn't work, you know, and that's, that's going to happen from time to time. And, you know, here I am 50% into this 30 years and just grateful to have, you know, have had Kent as a, as someone that I've looked to as a, a leader, as a mentor, as a friend, and uh, as, as someone that I, I go, man, if I could just be, you know, a little bit more like Kent, uh, I know uh, <laughs> if a lot of us could be a little bit more like Kent, it'd be a, a much better person. You know, the, the caliber of Kent, um, his parents were very instrumental in, in, in everything uh, for us. And, you know, I always give the example that Kent's dad, um, <laughs> Mr. Mack, used to go down to Dude University every year and he'd get a 15 passenger van and he would drive people, our clients, back and forth from the airport. And that service, it didn't matter who you are, where you fell in the pecking order, what it was. And countless times, Kent would be driving, you know, people that have to go to the airport in his personal truck. He'd just say, hey, I'll give you a ride. Don't worry about it. He was always just, uh, you know, appreciative of people taking the time to come and see us. And it wasn't like uh, he, did, he didn't have this um, CEO stereotype where, you know, he was on a pedestal and and couldn't be bothered he was the guy that was in the trenches with us and you know one of the things he he he, I'm pretty sure he said this to me but it's definitely in his actions which as a leader you know I've always instilled with with team members that I've had which is I'll never ask you something you know I'll never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself but you have to show that you can't just say it Um, and when you do that then your team you know they know that they have to carry their weight and they have to know that if they don't, that you're willing to do it. And then there's questions to be asked and no harm, no foul. But, you know, Kent was, you know, he roomed with us. He traveled with us. Uh, he was away from home for, you know, weeks and months at a time. So when you saw that directly, you, you didn't, you really didn't question whether or not you were willing to step up and do that. And as a startup, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, there's a lot of heavy, heavy lifting that might not fit your job description. There's a lot of, um, you know, well, in a lot of other places you'd say, well, why am I doing this? And when it was, when it was us starting up, it was just like all hands on deck. Kent was, Kent was there, uh, the whole way with us. And, and, uh, like I say, I'm, I'm just very lucky to, to, ha- I've, I did a post actually today on LinkedIn and, uh, this, this, f- uh, friend, uh, Les Trackman who actually knows Kent and knows, uh, Ed had had made a reference on one of my my posts about the leaders that I've had in my life because I haven't had many, and uh, I just said, you know, you're absolutely right. I've I've hit the leadership lottery. I, I I've definitely, um, I, I definitely consider myself one of the very few people that has had great leader experiences throughout my entire career. And that that bullpen is deep. That's you know Tom Knox, Scott Carpenter, Lee Prevo. I mean, I got there's a there's just a, a Bill Foster, Bob Bogardis, just just about every person that I had in a leadership role was was had selfless uh, intentions and and wanting to see me grow. And I think that it wasn't just me; it was was everybody. Well, yeah, that, and that's some that's a, obviously some good points on Kent. And uh, you know, I was curious. You know, you mentioned Ed, obviously Ed Rosich, current CEO of Dude Solutions. Um, you know, and, and I think it's great where he actually um, actually just today I got in the mail handwritten. Just Brian, happy anniversary, um, one year anniversary, which was so nice. I mean, again, it's the small things that matter to me, I and mean, just to, to actually take go out of your way and just do something that takes a couple seconds and pop in the mail. Um, I thought that was really cool of him. What, what have you learned from Ed? I'm curious from your perspective. 
um, over the last probably year and a half or so since since he's been CEO. Yeah, well, first of all, the the the, the handwritten cards are are huge, and and uh, he's he's a uh, he does a number of them, I think, every day, and uh, that's an incredible personal touch that I've always been a, a huge advocate of. Uh, Ed's done a number of things. First of all, his his book, A Solid Handshake, has got a ton of nuggets of knowledge uh, in in regards to you know how you should. Um, look at things when you're when you're not just in business but in life, acting ethically and with integrity. And uh, one of the great things that Ed, you know, didn't create it's 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 out there. It's a number of people say it, but uh, it's a great reminder for me. And it was something that I really strive to work better on is to look around at the, uh, the you know he says that the the you're a representation of the you're an average you're a representation of the average of the five people that you spend the most time with so you know that's something that i constantly remind myself about and make sure that i have the the right five around me that are are helping me raise my bar do better have you know keep that high level of integrity and work ethic and determination and drive and again ed ed's a lot like kent uh they have their they're, they're definitely different in places, but the core foundation of what's important, which is to, to work hard. I mean, when I'm in town, you know, I live in Boston and in the offices in North Carolina. So when I'm in town, I typically go to the office very early in the morning, find a corner, get some work done because, you know, it's, it's for me to be in an office with people opposed to not with people that are in their hotel room. It's a, uh, it's, it tends to have have more socialization than than probably most people. So I go in the office early, and more times than not, his car is in the parking lot, and it's still dark out, and he's been there a while. So, you know, he's he's definitely reminded me, and he's done. When if you look at his resume, I mean, he's he's just had the last four companies he's been a part of. He's knocked out into the stratosphere, but he still has that passion, and the the being behind that is he realizes his purpose. So, you know, he went through this long interview process. He was one of over 250 people interviewed. Um, he eva- probably evaluated us as much as we evaluated him. And when he came in, he realized what the purpose, he knew what the purpose of dude was. He was bought into it. And that was enabled that that's what gave that catalyst of power of saying, I'm, I've got this passion and it shows. And it's like, he came in day one, like he was a seasoned veteran with us and he gets it and he gets the culture thing uh, and the importance of people and culture isn't a thing. It's, it's people. It's the responsibility of, of a collective group to have that uh, consistent mindset of making a difference and doing the right things and looking out for one another and, and working hard and calling you out. And that's the other really big thing is so many people aren't they don't address the 500 pound elephant in the room and uh he does and it's it's don't be afraid to speak up don't be afraid to do the right thing don't be afraid to um make a mistake and and correct it you know and and but make the mistake acknowledge it recognize it and correct it don't make it worse by you know saying different things or doing different things to try to cover it up So I want to circle back now to some of the stuff you're doing now, um, especially with the Be Awesome. Um, can we call it a movement? 
um, I guess maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> the awesome movement. Um, so, and you, and it's, and what, what I love about it, obviously yeah, we, we've talked a lot about podcasting and, and, you know, trade ideas back and forth. I, I loved it's kind of taken you out of your comfort zone. I've noticed with some of the things you're doing. Didn't you scale a mountain earlier this year or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, can you tell that story a little bit? Cause I think that's, that's definitely out of your comfort zone, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of my greatest inspirations and, and closest friends in my life is, uh, is, a, a named Aaron Ralston, uh, more probably commonly known as the 127, uh, hours guy, um, or the stuck between a rock and a hard place. He is who was, was, um, out and, uh, found himself in a predicament where he was stuck to a, a, a massive boulder. His, his arm was stuck in it. And over, over the course of 127 hours, um, had to remove his own arm, uh, and, and escaped and survived. And, um, so he and I have, uh, talked and done a number of things and over the summer when i started be awesome he he and i were at the top of i think it was the hyatt in denver looking out onto the mountains and uh he said you know you 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 don't think too much about you know when somebody challenges you or when you get your mindset on something you just go and do it and i said well yeah i mean what that's kind of the point of life is just you know if you feel if you feel like you want to try something you should do it it doesn't need to be something you um you're 100% competent or capable or comfortable with, but you should at least give it a try. And he just pointed out to the mountains and he's like, I bet you'll attempt to climb one of these 14ers with me. And I'm sitting here saying, here I am with the only person that's, that's recorded successfully to have climbed every 14er in the winter solo um, and is now more than halfway through with scaling every one of them and skiing down and has all these high accomplishments and he's going to be my guide. Why, why would I say no to that? And, uh, so we, we, this was in, um, this was in June of last year and we were supposed to do it. And I think July or August and Colorado had like the best summer for hiking and, uh, schedules were conflicting. He's an incredible speaker, um, telling his life story and, and, and putting it into perspective on everything in life for people. You don't need to get your arms stuck, but make your boulders, your blessings. And, um, so we ended up postponing it until the second week in October and it snowed for like the two weeks. It snowed basically until we got out of the car, um, for, for upwards of two weeks. And so, uh, yeah, last October we, uh, we attempted, we, we, attempted i attempted he completed um with his girlfriend she came with us as well and uh i got to about thirteen thousand five hundred feet above sea level and uh it was about three miles each way so the interesting thing about a hike like that or any hike is uh if you're gonna have to make the the, the descent wherever you stop you're only halfway there so <laughs> i got to about thirteen five. i was uh uh, at a point of deliriousness, my mind, my, my body, I, I looking back my, my body while it was hurt and while it was hard, I, I probably could have pushed through with a different mindset, but my, my brain from the parking lot was, I can't do this. I can't do this. So what I accomplished, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, but I'm also not done. So, um, we're, we're working through the dates right now to, to re to reattempt the hike and, uh, and complete it. So my, my goal is for someone to see me, uh, at the top of 14,200 feet on Quandary Peak, which funny thing on that, that whole, we, we were, we had a couple of different places that we were going to go. 
And it was interesting. We ended up at Quandary Peak and I got home. Uh, Aaron had put, had signed a book for a young man that, uh, that I know that was, that, that needed some, some inspiration. So uh, I had a book autographed and I brought it with me and I was peeling through the book two days later. And in the photo section, there's a photo of Ralston at the top of Quandary Peak. And in the headline, it said Aaron Ralston's uh, first 14 or uh, ascent in the winter for his, his solo attempt. So it's, it's actually the mountain that he actually started his whole, um, uh, you know, hiking the 14ers over 20 plus years ago. So I thought that was pretty cool. I called him. I said, did you know this? And he said, no, glad you reminded me. So, uh, so I plan on accomplishing Quandary Peak somewhere uh, over the summer. What did you learn from someone like him? Like, why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep pushing himself? Why, why the mountains? Does, does he talk about that a lot? Yeah. Um, he's, he's, uh, first of all, he's incredibly intelligent. Uh, he was an engineer and, and, uh, uh, very bright, uh, very bright guy, but he is just, his passion is, uh, land, the natural landscape of the world. And he is a huge advocate, uh, and fighter for, uh, conservation land, uh, staying intact and staying in its natural state. He is a, an advocate for, you know, mountains, forests, and anything that's open land for people to be able to respectfully uh, utilize and use and, and take in the, that beauty. And, you know, his his drive for, you know, just pushing himself is, is you know, that's a huge challenge. And it's really interesting because we take things for granted, like, you know, walking ably. And there's people that have pretty good athleticism and, 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 uh, you know, much better than me. There were some folks up there. There was only a handful of people that were attempting the hike the same day that we did, but you know, you get up over 12,000 feet, your body's doing a whole bunch of different things that you absolutely have no control over. And your mind is playing tricks on you and the amount of oxygen that you have coming in and all that stuff. And you have to, uh, challenge yourself while also knowing yourself. And that was something that, you know, I see that he has an unbelievable control on, you know, I didn't know how I had to pace myself. And, you know, it's really, um, it's really interesting because you get into doing something and you're like, I just want to get it done. I want to get it over with. I want to say that I did it. And doing something like this hike, if you do that, you're either going to run out of steam, put yourself in a, a risk health wise, or, or you're just going to, you're just going to have just complete viscosity breakdown. You know, as you go through the motions and get higher and higher, you have to start to say, okay, I need to pace myself. I need to draw back. You know, I was taking, a, I was taking five steps without much of a break. I need to take a step and take a breath and take a step and take a breath. And that feeling of just total concentration on one foot over over the other no cell phones i was up there for nine and three quarter hours it 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 does something to you and it's addictive you know i've already got two, two climbs and i'm not going to become a professional climber you're not going to see me on any guinness book of world records but i'll tell you it's something that i never would have thought to do if he hadn't pushed me and now i can't wait to do it again did you do anything to prepare for it or did you just start walking up the up the mountain? Yeah, no, I'm I'm so I'm I'm uh, I'm what's what I like to consider uh, uh, maybe pleasantly plump at times. Uh, I was um, at my all time highest weight, and probably part of the reason why Ralston 
wanted me to do this was to get me in some form of shape. And so um, I was up over 200, I think it was up close to 280 pounds at one point over last summer. And so I went on the keto diet, uh, which is, you know, uh, this, I don't want to say it's a fad. It's, it's definitely, it's got a lot of science that I can find behind it and, and it works. Uh, I lost about 37 pounds between uh, July and October. Uh, I did do, I, I got out and I walked, uh, I was supposed to do 5k in an hour. That was kind of my base of, uh, what I was supposed to be capable to do. I couldn't, I did, I was a, I was a probably, um, the equivalent of 5k in probably an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. Uh, but I was hitting the treadmill, you know, probably a couple times a week when I was on the road, I travel, you know, as you, as you know, I, I do over a hundred flights a year. So I'm, I'm sitting in a seat in a plane a lot, but I was hitting the treadmill a couple times a week. I was walking, uh, my, my, at the time, uh, seven or eight month old, uh, in his carriage, uh, I would walk up, uh, I would walk about three miles round trip, uh, when I was home every day. So, um, you know, the biggest, the biggest challenge is the altitude adjustment in your, in your, uh, in, in your body, you know, just going from zero above sea level to, you know, Denver's a mile high. I went out to Vail for a, a conference prior to that. So I was at 9,000 feet for a couple of days. That acclimation and adjustment in itself, you know, I've heard of people that fly out here and go do that. I don't know how they do it uh, because you just, <laughs> it is, it is really amazing what altitude does to your, to your body uh, and how quickly it does it. So uh, but I didn't do, I probably didn't do the training and the, um, the preparation that, that most would have done. And it was partly due to time and probably a bunch of excuses I could come up with. Um, but my, my efforts are going to be to, uh, to be more uh, cardiovascular than I was, but I wasn't running around with a Bane mask, um, which I thought about. They actually have altitude adjustment masks that you can wear at, at, at lower elevations that will um, make it harder for you to breathe so that you can adjust your breathing habits. Um, but they look ridiculous and you're supposed to wear them around everywhere. And I was like, I'm not going to the grocery store, like wearing this Bane or Darth Vader mask, trying to talk to people. So, uh, I just, just opted for treadmill and, and walking with my son. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny wearing the Bane mask around town. <laughs> you definitely get a few looks there. Uh, maybe not pleasant ones. Um, yeah. So what are you excited about with the, obviously it'd be awesome. You got the podcast, uh, you got a book coming out soon, right? Uh, yeah, it's the, the, so the book is a, the book is a slow mover. So as I shared, uh, you know, I'm, I wasn't the, the best student in, in school. I'm the worst writer I know. Uh, my fiance actually references me to run on. And I always tell people, if you get a, an email after hours and it's well-written, it's probably been edited and has some help from, from Amy. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of um, content that's all over the place. Um, the, uh, the <laughs> I actually have a deadline to, to release a book uh, because of uh, recent trademark approvals and, and uh, all of the things that go with that. So I actually have a, a very short window of time to produce something to put out to the market to keep my, um, to keep my naming rights um, to me. So uh, probably going to be a very simplistic uh, journal type book that's going to come out. The, uh, the Essential Elements, the Kicking Ass official book story about 
um, me and kind of why I'm doing all of this and some, you know, nuggets of knowledge and, and uh, definitely no lightning in a bottle. There's, there's, it's a lot of just, you know, relative, relative life stories. Uh, I hope to have in the, you know, by the end of the year, I was hoping to have it this year, but uh, as they say, you know, having a, a new child and the, and having a 12 year old and uh, all the stuff we have going on with the dude, it's been really hard for me to, uh, to get the book going, but uh, yeah, podcast just did episode 24. I've got episode 25, 26 and 27 that I'm hoping to have done in the next three to four days. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've got a lot of listeners. I've had a lot of support with, with that. It's, it's interesting. It's totally focused on, uh, people with awesome stories that live their life to their, you know, to their potential maximum potential every day that are making a difference. And it's everything from, you know, Santa Claus who became a city councilor in North pole, Alaska to, you know, two days ago, Dave Moran, who was an 18 year Marine, uh, just had a, just spoke with a, a Colonel that has a great story and puts a lot of stuff into relation. The difference between selfish and selflessness is, uh, less than an inch, inch in a dictionary, but it's a huge difference in who you are and how you are. So trying to get him on and, uh, uh, actually in Colorado here with Ron McCulley, I was going to try to get a couple minutes with him. He was on my podcast in September, you know, doctors gave him five years to live. He's a cancer survivor and he's in, he's going into year 10. So just people with really not, not just stories, but the biggest thing that I want to do that I see is there's a lot of inspiration or there's a lot of motivation out there. There's a lot of stories about what someone is doing. What I'm trying to do is getting those stories out and then trying to provide inspiration to someone, anyone that listens, that says, this person did this, and I am in a similar situation, but I'm not where they are, and I want to be. And they just gave me the blueprint with a couple of little um, reminders that of things of what I should be doing, could be doing, or need to be doing. And and that's kind of the, the, the piece is how do we replicate these great stories? You know, how do we replicate? Cause you see them all the time, just like I do, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or what have you, is these great people. Like I'm, I want to get, um, trying to get a couple of principals that have just done a phenomenal job with turning around schools in these, these high, you know, heavily impacted areas of, of, you know, poverty and, and, and low test scores and everything. And their stories are, are shared on the internet for people to feel good about, but I want to get these guys on the podcast so that, they can share their story and maybe give some step, some steps in how people in similar situations could get started, you know, kind of like what you're doing, you know, just get started. Like how do, you know, there's a lot of principals out there in schools that are in similar areas that if they just had a couple of the, the first steps to get started, to, to make a change, they can make a positive impact as strong or maybe even stronger because they've got, you know, they've got somebody that's already walked that path. Uh, so, you know, the podcast is going to continue. It's got a great, uh, it's got a great following, uh, the t-shirts I'm selling. I bought, uh, 1,076 t-shirts, uh, from August to December of last year. And, uh, we give $3 of every shirt and that's every shirt that we either sell or donate or give away to, you know, a worthy cause. And, uh, we, we tracked about just, uh, right around 700 t-shirts, 700, I think it was 740 t-shirts that we, that we got, that we 
went through the door and uh, we gave uh, 2000, just short of 2000. I think it was just under eight, I think we're around $1,990 to uh, the Fairbanks Youth Advocates Group, uh, which supports uh, homeless youth in, in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, which is right next to Santa Claus. We did $500 to the uh, Massachusetts School on Wheels because the uh, Massachusetts Facilities Administrators Association bought 160 shirts for their conference and uh, did something pretty cool that I'm, I'm working on a program. It's, it's taken a lot more work than I originally anticipated, but uh, I uh, was made aware of uh, sensory paths that people put into uh, elementary schools for kids with autism and special needs for uh, realignment of focus. And uh, we just put our first sensory path in and program together so that um, schools can promote the shirts. And once they hit a threshold, uh, they'll get one of these sensory paths, which are they're vinyl, uh, but they're $1,500 a piece. So they're, they're not cheap and they're not easily accessible for, for people to put in any school USA. And that's, that's one of the efforts I want to do with the, uh, with the shirt program. Yeah, that's really great. I, I'm just curious, because I don't think you and I have talked about this too much. What, what, cause I, I love kids, right? Um, I mean, I have, obviously I have a son as well. And, um, I, I think, you know, impacting the youth and, and making that better for them. Why has that been important for you? Obviously some of the different charitable givings are, are to the youth. Why has that been important for you? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, all of us hear about our why, you know, what's your why and, and where, where does it, where does it sit? And, you know, everybody's why is about their family. Uh, Santa Claus and I met in a very strange way. I was going to do my third podcast. I was going to be up in Fairbanks, Alaska for a couple of days. I had a trigger that uh, went off of my head that I was like, I remember reading a story about this guy that changed his name to Santa Claus and now he's a city councilor and he's part of all this stuff. And I got to meet him. And so I sent him an email and we went back and forth for a while. And so we ended up meeting in, in uh, this, the city council chambers uh, in North Pole, Alaska, and did this podcast. And he shared with me that he changed his name to advocate more for kids in dire straits. And he, we continued to talk and, you know, going through the numbers and doing the research, you know, I found there's 3 million homeless and foster children in the United States. To put that in perspective, there's an 80% chance that there is at least one homeless child in every single or foster child in every single classroom in the United States today. And that was just staggering for me um, and heartbreaking. And to think when I was growing up uh, that I don't believe there was a single homeless child in our town. And my superintendent just put a slide up that said we have 19 homeless children in our town, which is a suburb of, of Boston, which has got, you know, median home prices in the $400,000 range. And we've got 19 kids that are homeless that, you know, they didn't, they didn't do anything to have these challenges and struggles. They were, you know, sadly born into difficult time, difficult situations. And the, the why for me on it is, you know, I've got two incredible boys. I've got a 12 year old and a 16 month old and the world because of social media and everything else is getting smaller. And, there is a 100% chance that just about everyone I touch can impact someone that's going to touch my kids at some point in their life. The kids that they educate, the kids that they that they go through their school systems or their YMCA programs or, or anything like that, those kids that they're helping today that are going through difficult times, if there's things we can do to make those kids' lives a little bit more hopeful and helpful, then they might become better kids to become better adults, to make a difference. And, you know, the 
my 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 fiance graduated from Southern New Hampshire State University, and you know their their president uh, had gone up for the commencement speech, and he said uh, he he said it, which made it on a commercial, which is um, all you know all people are are born um, with with um, everyone has got equal ability with every person is got talent, but not every person is given equal opportunity. And there's a lot that holds to that. And so, you know, I, I, I just, I just do this in, in the hopes that, that someone out there, uh, you know, is going to feel like there's people out there that's going to care and that are going to give them opportunity. And I've got some, I've got some pretty big, uh, big, hairy, audacious goals to do some, some pretty incredible things with, with the program beyond the shirts um, that, that will hopefully be able to provide, you know, whether it's a work program or a scholarship program, I, I've got some, you know, right now it's just, it's just selling shirts. I sell the t-shirts. I've got a box I'm looking at right now. And I literally take this Pelican box. that has got a hundred shirts at any given point in time with me. And I wear the be awesome shirts. And I told Amy this the other night, I was like, this is one of the most exciting things for me to do. I wear my shirt on the plane. I always have to go to the bathroom at least once, depending on how long the flight is. And I walk by all these people and almost always there's one person on the plane that says, I love your shirt. And I have a, a shirt of every size in my backpack. And I'll say, oh, you look like a large. And they'll say, how do you know? And I'll walk back, I'll grab a size large shirt and I'll say, hey, they're $24.99. You want to buy one? Three bucks goes to the Fairbanks Youth Advocates uh, Center, which was the one we were promoting for last year, working on one for this year. And they'll say, oh, I don't take a credit card. And I have a square reader in my pocket. And then uh, if I don't have a shirt on the plane or I sold that one, you know, I take the Pelican box out at the baggage claim and you open that thing up and like three, four five shirts later, you know, you sit there and you're like, wow, you know, I just impacted the opportunity to support a group by $15, which if I just went and picked up my suitcase, I wouldn't have done anything. Uh, and I wouldn't think about it. And it gets people to think about like every person I tell the story, the $3 signifies the 3 million kids. So it, it's really, um, it's really something to remind, you know, to remind me every day that there's, you know, we all get stuck on our islands. We all get stuck. I travel a lot, so I, I'm not on an island that much, but we all get kind of tunnel vision on our island and we, you know, it looks good from our backyard. We don't think things are bad, but things are tough out there for a lot of people. And uh, it, it'll only get tougher if they don't have hope. And that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm old and gone, I want my kids to have the greatest uh, interactions and the greatest opportunities to have people like Kent and Scott and Ed and, and the people that I've had around me. And not just because of, you know, being in a different, in a different, living in a different area, living in a different place, but because they're great people. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why, why I do it. I mean, I, I do it for my family, but I, I do it with the hopes that I can help other families for, for a bigger picture down the road. Well, it's great, dude, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. It's, it's an awesome endeavor and obviously it's obviously impacting a lot of folks. So, uh, you know, keep up the, uh, the good fight on that. Where can everyone find you online? Yeah, uh, you can find me. The best place to find me right now is on LinkedIn. And uh, I've got a, a, I've got a professional personal page, which is Joshua Peach, J-O-S-H-U-A-P-E-A-C-H, just like the fruit. Uh, if you do a search for Be Awesome on LinkedIn, it's B-E space A-U space S-M. I put content, but more importantly, I put people I appreciate 
because the importance of saying thank you to people that we forget to do is uh, is is something that shouldn't be overlooked. So you can find me there on LinkedIn, any podcast platform. Again, you search BE space AU space SM, beawesome.com. And uh, you can email me at josh at beawesome.com. I spell it B-E-A-U-S-M. Uh, and uh, would love to hear from from people. And, uh, you know, anybody that does a, uh, a rating or a review, I always give a, uh, a T-shirt or a coffee mug, which I think I owe you. Did I get you your coffee mug? We won't uh, talk about that. I haven't, I haven't got anything. You yet, haven't but got yeah, maybe, maybe I haven't given you my you, mailing address. No, I owe you. No, I owe, <laughs> I owe you my coffee mug. I went down to see you last time. Uh, I save I save my shipping costs when I go to the office for people that that I owe I owe stuff to. So I owe you a coffee mug. I got seventy two more of these bad boys being made right now. Uh, they're they're massive coffee mugs that say "Be Awesome" on them. So anybody that does a rating or review for me on on iTunes uh, podcast, I give them something. So you know anybody that does a rating or review, I think you're doing a great job. You were you were really uh, without you taking the time. You know I I know there were a couple of Saturdays and nights uh, that you gave your time and and kind of you were so uh, instrumental in me believing that I could do a podcast. Um, and really appreciate the opportunity to be on yours. Anybody that does a rating or review on uh, on your podcast until through the month of May, uh, I'll throw them a T-shirt or a coffee mug their way. Just put a message in because hopefully this will be uh, this will be on pretty soon through the month of May. So anybody that does a rating or review for you, get their name and, and uh, address, and I'll be sure to send them something. I'll have uh, my coffee mugs are coming this week, so uh, I knew I owed you something. Hey, how's uh, Steve the Rooster? By the way, he make it? Oh, he's 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 he's, he's crushing it, man. He's uh, he survived two uh, near death hawk attacks. Um, he is still an angry rooster. Uh, he we we haven't had too many podcasts under the uh, peach tree. We're actually in uh, in preparation to go to cons- construction for a new under the peach tree uh, podcast area. I just bought a. Um, I bought a chairlift from a ski area that I grew up in. It's actually the chairlift that I went up to the top of the mountain when I was eight years old. Uh, they decommissioned, they're, they're replacing it. And uh, so I bought one of the ski lift chairs because at eight years old, I can remember sitting, I remember getting on the chairlift and thinking, oh shit, what did I get myself into? And then once I got to the top of the mountain, just being terrified uh, and going against my parents' wishes to stay on the, the bunny slope. So I'm, I'm actually having a... Uh, uh, the chairlift put on like a swing and uh, we're going to, we're going to decorate the uh, under the peach tree. So we're going to get back to full on under the peach tree podcast uh, for the summer. So it's getting warmer out up in Boston, but uh, Steve will be there. He's, he's uh he, he is a, a pretty majestic looking uh, rooster. He's a Polish blue hen rooster. So if you look that up, they get this puffy hair on top and he's, he is a pretty rooster, but boy, he is, uh, he is, he is a jerk. I'm waiting for the Steve the Rooster shirts to, to roll out. Yeah, I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep saying it every time yeah. we see each other. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get. I, you know, I, I I have a picture that uh, uh, I use this. I use a company, Pop Tops. John Fine is who's producing all my shirts and all my my giveaways and the coffee mugs and all that stuff. And I actually sent him a picture. Uh, for, well, the hard part is getting a, a picture of Steve because he's always on the move. And if you get close enough to take a picture you're putting your life in your hand, in the hands of potentially getting uh pecked that chase run down. And it's, it's pretty embarrassing because it's a, a, you know, three pound rooster, but he, he instills fear and uncertainty when you get close to him because he just 
puffs his feathers up and it's it's it gets scary so uh but i did get a picture and i i gotta get it over to john fine to see if we can uh to get a, a steve the rooster special edition shirt on but uh yeah he's doing he's doing good the uh we've got 20 we're down to 24 pets but we've got goats guinea hens chickens roosters rabbits that are litter box trained a cat three dogs it's uh it's it's a pretty wild place it's like a people say they come to my house it could be like a seinfeld episode anytime because there's just always all this chaos and craziness going on well hey last thing um i always like to end on kind of open forum you know it could be a quote you live by it could be just a piece of advice that you love to give um or maybe you got from a mentor or someone else but anything to end the uh the interview on that you'd like to share with the uh, with the audience yeah you know the, the the biggest thing that i've learned in uh I don't know if I've, if I'm borrowing the quote directly or if it's um, if I, I know that I got uh, I, I know that I have this quote that I that I try to live by that was actually on the back of a T-shirt that Amy got when she she she, she challenged herself to, to run a 5K after having Danny uh, 10. I think it was about 10 plus years ago. And uh, the back of her shirt said the difference between a good day and a bad day is your attitude. And. I think that the biggest thing that I can give as a takeaway is your life in how it is and what you go through. We're all going to go through piles of stuff uh, and, and everybody's got different piles and you know, it's not one measurement off of another, but the greatest thing that you can do that I try to do every day is make sure that that attitude's in the best possible place you can be at because it doesn't cost you anything, you know, and, and, and thinking about the things that you get mad at. I always give the the plane perspective because I'm on one so much. I used to get so mad when planes would get, when our plane would be delayed or something would go wrong or the, the crew wouldn't show up or, or something like that. It, it doesn't matter how mad I get about the situation. Nothing's going to change. I can't click my heels three times and have the crew show up. I can't fix a flat tire. I can't, I can't control the weather. So getting mad and being upset with that situation is really pointless. Um, there's things to be upset about and you just kind of need to check yourself with, with what you're getting upset about and try to make sure to remind yourself that, you know, the difference between a good day and a bad day truly is your attitude and there's bad stuff all around you, but there's good stuff all around you and just try to find the, the, the rays of sunshine that you can. And I, you know, I'm not a big quote person, um, but you know, I, I, I see some every once in a while and that's, that's one that sticks out and I was on the back of a t-shirt. Um, so, but that's, that's been kind of my, my saving grace with a lot of things because I used to be, uh, I always tell people I'm far from perfect just because I'm doing this and it's uh, you know pillar of positivity and all this. I, I I've made more than my fair of mis mistakes. I have been at times more than uh, angry with myself and my attitude. And, you know, now it's just trying to, stay upbeat and positive, even if in those challenging situations. Peach has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. Really hey. enjoyed this. It was a long time coming. So uh, glad we were able to make this work out with your schedule. And um, this is awesome, man. Really, really enjoyed it. No, I appreciate you. And I appreciate everything you've done for me professionally. You know, someday we'll, we'll be having a drink and you're, you're uh, just get started. We'll, we'll have hit global global domination in the podcast world and whatever takes you to the next place. But are uh, you doing great things? I love to hear your one mic. I meant to call you and talk to you about that, but keep those one mics going. I think your, uh, your perspective and your, your presence on the microphone is fantastic. So I uh, love listening to you and appreciate the opportunity.
Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode or have been enjoying others along the way. Um, and if you don't mind, it'll really mean a lot if you guys head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave me a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, give me a rating on there. Um, I certainly appreciate that feedback to make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and please connect with me online. Instagram's probably the best, um, at Brian Andreco. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O. Or go ahead and check out my website, brianondraco.com. That's where I house a ton of random crap like the podcast and my CrossFit journey and a variety of other blog articles. Um, and sign up for my newsletter. I'll be sending a little bit of uh, inspiration each and every week that uh, may be useful for you. So I certainly appreciate guys listening in. Thanks again. I hope you have a phenomenal week, and we'll talk soon. Just get started.